A dinner out with friends, a trip to see your parents, even a quick cup of coffee with your colleagues. These are all the type of social connections we took for granted before COVID-19 and are hoping to have back in our lives. But with continuing outbreaks and the fears of second waves, the physical distancing rules that have been effective in halting transmission are not going away anytime soon. What impact will this have on our social connections now and in the future? And how can we build better connections in the face of crisis? We'll have that story and more coming up from the Lancet Psychiatry in New York. I'm Dustin Graham. Stay with us. Lockdowns and physical distancing measures, although absolutely necessary to protect public health, are nonetheless taking a toll on our mental health. How do we protect ourselves against frayed social connections and loneliness during a crisis? On the line to talk more about this, as well as a new campaign called the Connection Coalition, is Ayana Lawrence, coalition lead with the Joe Cox Foundation. Ayana, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Can you briefly tell us about what the Connection Coalition is and its main goal? Um, So the Connection Coalition is uh, a new uh, coming together of uh, cross-sector organisations, so companies, community groups, uh, parish councils and companies, all uh, connected by the belief that uh, we think that the country is going to be changed. The world will be changed after COVID-19, but it will be changed for the better if people are ready to build, maintain and strengthen the social connections that bring us together. And uh, so what we've come together to do is to both inspire connection right now. What are the ways that whilst keeping our distance, people can stay socially connected? What are the things that we can do to encourage people to take forward those behaviours? But also what are the things that we can ask government and funders to do to ensure that the social infrastructure and the backdrop to our communities has Uh, relationships and strong social connections baked into it because we need strong relationships in this what some people are calling new normal and so we are uh, 350 organizations all come together to make the case for that. So it sounds like a pretty big endeavor and you probably can't list out everyone who's a part of it but can you give us some idea of the types of organizations that are involved in the coalition? Yeah, so I know we have a bit of an international audience. So so for some, but not all, will know that there was an, uh, a parliamentarian called Joe Cox, who in 2016 was uh, murdered in the lead up to the Brexit referendum. And a key part of her legacy, uh, which I set up for her family, um, has been around uh, loneliness and social isolation. So we've done a lot of campaigning, which resulted in the appointment of the world's first minister for loneliness here in the UK. But we also knew that uh, loneliness wasn't going to be fixed by government alone and that you need to strengthen the connections and the ways people can come together in communities. So we've done a lot of that work through community initiatives to basically bring people together and, and to share time and build relationships. And so from that has come many partnerships and the founding group were a group of organisations including Facebook, the Joe Cox Foundation, Mind, the mental health charity, the British Red Cross. Um, And uh, that, that was the sort of founding group. But actually what we now have is a kind of really deep, broad based coalition of, you know, as I said at the beginning, like, you know, We've got village halls, we've got um, unregistered community groups like COVID mutual aid groups, or we've also got kind of um, small to medium sized social enterprises, because I think what what we recognise and what, you know, has been so important in in the UK over the last few years is this kind of growing consensus that we need relationships to form 
as much of a bedrock to our communities and our society as possible. And that takes us all. Like Jo Cox, the MP, she said, like, loneliness is everyone's business. And that's why this coalition is so broad, because it's not going to take one intervention or one sector in order to build the connections and the connectedness that we need. And how did the coalition come about? Was, was this something that the Joe Cox Foundation had planned to develop or did it form more organically? So Joe's sister, Kim, is a fireball of energy. She uh, is a personal trainer by like trade. Um, but after Joe's, her sister's murder, she stepped in to lead a lot of uh, Joe's legacy. And Kim and I, her name is Kim, and I had a conversation in the sort of very early stages of COVID-19. And she said that she was being approached by lots of different organisations and lots of different people asking what what, what was going to be done in, in, in perhaps Joe's foundation in response to COVID-19. And it felt like there... There was a, a, a the majority of, of community organisations or everyone has been about what are the immediate responses? What are the material and medical needs that are needed to be met right now by the kind of response effort? But we also knew really clearly that social connections are often left sidelined. They're often the thing that is seen to be good to have. It, it, they might be fluffy. But we also know after years of work on this issue that weak social relationships can be the undoing of us. But we also know that weak social connections erode solidarity. And, and now it's not just in, in light of COVID. We need strong communities that celebrate all the things they have in common. I think it wasn't an, it was a natural bubbling up of, of, of a coalition. And, and it was because lots of people were coming to us saying, what are you doing? What should we do? But also... In, in, in the midst of the immediate response, it was really clear that there was a need for someone to take the leadership to ensure that social connections and strong social relationships weren't left. At this point, I think many of us will think of COVID-19 as, I guess, sort of like a timestamp, identifying a pre- and post-COVID part of our lives. So what will be the future goals for the coalition as COVID-19 infections uh, begin to subside and we are able to move back to uh, well, I don't want to call it normal, but something that is more similar to what our pre-COVID uh, lives were like. So I think in the medium to long term, we're looking for two things. Number one, we want to encourage, inspire, um, encourage and inspire people to ensure that the connections that they might have built during this time, the new friendships they have with neighbours, the habits that they've got into, looking out for each other, and uh, showing up for one another, that we want to encourage those behaviours to not be just seen as a, an, a, a response, an emergency response, but something that people want to take forward with them into the future. And then, as I say, the second thing is, is what can we see from governments and funders that can build and boost the framing for the social infrastructure we need. Governments and funders have a role to provide the kind of infrastructure in which we can connect, in which the messiness of human relationships can just like flourish. And um, so, yeah, we're really looking forward to and hoping to be able to work with government to make sure that they are playing their part. Because if we've seen communities step up during this time and people come together, then we need to see government meet that with the um, ability to create some of the infrastructure that will mean it will go the distance. All right. That's Iona Lawrence, lead of the Connection Coalition with the Joe Cox Foundation. Thanks very much for joining us. No, thank you so much for having me. And in other news. Around the country and the U.S., cities are taking a hard look at police forces and their roles in communities. 
The city council in Minneapolis, Minnesota, has recently voted to completely dissolve their police force in the future, after years of failed attempts at reform, and instead develop a new public safety program developed with input from the community. And finally, the mayor of New York City, which has the largest police force in the country, and an annual operating budget of nearly $5.6 billion, is hearing more calls to significantly cut funding and redirect money towards new programs. An example would be diverting calls related to mental health crises away from the police and to teams made up of those with lived experience working together with emergency medical personnel. That's it for this episode. Join us again to hear the latest news and views in mental health from around the world. From the entire editorial team at The Lancet Psychiatry, thanks for listening, be well, and stay safe.